It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into the preview show. And as always this season, we got more to talk about than just a football game. And it seems like, Ryan, we can't go a couple days without some big national story breaking around the Buffalo Bills who sit here at six and six with the biggest game on the schedule when the schedule came out from a matchup perspective Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen and the circumstances of this matchup now the the gravity of this game it, it, it can't be overstated and you know we've spent most of this week talking about Von Miller and the situation that went on with him last week, the allegations of domestic violence. And and that gave way later this week to the Sean McDermott blockbuster that was released by GoLongTD.com, Tyler Dunn. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit today and the fallout, uh, which is more uh, what I want to discuss today and what that could potentially mean. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bill. Oh, and by the way, we'll preview Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. So <laughs> stay tuned for that as well. Shout is brought to you, as always, by uh, Tops Friendly Markets. And Tops has real meat and real butchers. Freshness and quality guaranteed. Better meals start with better meats at the best deals in town at Tops. While the other stores have their meat packed in central processing facilities, Tops has real butchers you can trust to serve the very best to your family. Expert butchers hand-cut fresh, high-quality USDA choice beef and premium pork in-store daily. If you don't see what you need, custom cuts and special requests are welcome. Large assortments of all-natural grass-fed, antibiotic-free, and plant-based options for your family. Holiday tips from your trusted Tops Butchers. All right, Ryan, we are going to start with um, everything. And thank you uh, to those in the comments, Sheila, telling me to drive safe. I... uh was at One Bill's Drive today. We heard from Sean McDermott before practice. We heard from Brandon Bean after practice. Micah Hyde. Uh, I'm going to play a clip from him here in a moment. But just to catch everybody up on the story uh, of the last 24 hours. Yesterday, uh, uh, a big story, three-part series uh, dropped from Tyler Dunn reporting uh, with 25 different sources, former players of the Bills and coaches uh, during the Sean McDermott regime uh, that are no longer there kind of gave their 
view of what things have been like under Sean McDermott. And obviously the biggest viral takeaway of yesterday was a small anecdote from a team meeting back in 2019 where Sean McDermott used uh, the, an example of the 9-11 hijackers and the, the, their teamwork in a team meeting to demonstrate like good communication and teamwork. And, you know, it was eye opening for, you know, everybody uh, to, to kind of get that revelation. Sean McDermott actually came out after uh, media availability was done yesterday. He walked into the media room and held an impromptu press conference where he talked about, you know, at the time apologizing for those comments and, you know, what, what, what was, what he was thinking and, and regretting it almost immediately speaking to players, apologizing to players and, you know, met with the team yesterday. Uh, that story kind of transpired yesterday into today. Uh, Sean McDermott spent a lot of his press conference today talking about it. Uh, a little bit more and just overall what it's been like the last 24 hours dealing with this. And oh, by the way, Ryan, this is all happening where, while the Bills are preparing for this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, a lot to digest, uh, but your overall overarching thoughts of everything that we learned and what we've witnessed here over the last 24 hours. Yeah, obviously the impromptu press conference that he addressed the comments. Uh, he said something stupid four years ago. Let, let it is what it is. Let, let's just put it as it is. He said something that was really stupid. He came up with a terrible example uh, to stress communication. But at the same time, we've all said stupid things in our lives before. And I'm not trying to defend the guy. Uh, I'm just trying to point out that, you know, we, we've all said and done things that were like, oh, that wasn't a great example or probably shouldn't have said it like that. And, you know, to his credit, he came out, he addressed it directly. He didn't deny it. He didn't uh, say my focus is on football and, and just kind of ignore these questions. He addressed it himself. He apologized. And, and the fact that it's something that from 2019 that uh, according to our friend, Tim Graham said that, you know, the, the team's well, or the, the front office is well aware of it. It's kind of a, not, I don't want to say nothing burger on their, their behalf, but it's something that they've already, uh, you know, they've known about it. He's addressed it already back in 2019. He apologized. Um, but yeah, you know, my overarching thought on that big part, which seems to be what everyone's talking about on social media, is he said something that that was stupid at the time that he immediately regretted. He apologized for it back then. And, you know, he's apologizing for it again now. You know, so a couple comments in here. I see. Can we stick to football? This stuff is ridiculous. Four years ago. I mean, this is a national story. Um, right. This is something that Sean McDermott felt strong enough to come out and address immediately yesterday and you know the tone kind of continued into today and you know i'm interesting in, in it's interesting in a week where the bills have this huge game and you know one of the storylines about this team has just been how they've underperformed this season and i think sean mcdermott deservedly has received a lot of criticism for the fact that they've underperformed and you know a lot of that was highlighted in in the story um and uh, you know, he came out today and it was, I was wondering about the headspace that he was in. And I think it was Joe Biscalia who asked uh, the question, like, you know, just what have the last 24 hours been like? And, you know, he said, it's, it is it something that was mind spinning. Uh, he was disappointing. He was hurt. Um, he said though, that he knows who he is. At the end of the day, I know how I handle myself. As I've said, humbly, I'm not without flaws. I wake up every morning and try to do the best job that I can to win games for the fans of the Buffalo Bills and do it the right way. And, and that's his main goal every day. And, you know, Brandon Bean came out in, in, in support uh, of McDermott saying that, listen, everybody has situations where 
you know, maybe they say something or do something that they'd like back that they, that they can learn from. Uh, he said, and, and I asked about to me, Ryan, the biggest theme of Tyler's story, if you go back and, and read through all 20,000 words was a perceived lack of accountability from the head coach over the years, you know, the 13 seconds and how he handled that internally and externally, like over the years, the way that he talks in press conferences about his defense versus maybe the downfall or the down, um, you know, performances of the offense that has rubbed people the wrong way, you know, in, in the, in the building. And then obviously in the fan base. And so I asked Brandon, you know, has that been your, what's your experience been with been like when it comes to Sean in terms of his account, his own accountability in the failures. And he said, this is a tough business. And in the positions that we're in, sometimes people don't leave thrilled with the reason or agree with the reason why they left. It's unfortunate. You would love for everyone to leave here smiling and happy. It's a competitive business. And again, sometimes you have to agree to disagree, but no, uh, that's not how I would categorize Sean in my eyes in terms of not being accountable. So a lot of the, the words coming from inside the building over the last couple of days is, you know, or the last 24 hours, Micah Hyde alluded to it too. Maybe these are people that were quoted in, in, in Tyler's story that didn't have the best experience in Buffalo, maybe didn't have a great relationship with Sean McDermott. And, and maybe that's why they're not with the team anymore. Yeah. Hey, listen, you, you can question his accountability. The 13 seconds, we, we never seem to get a straight answer mm -hmm. on the responsibility who, you know, and, and things like that. We've had, there have been some losses that we've covered and um, you know, I don't want to say he's pointing the finger at anyone else, but there's been other coaches that have been let go over the years. It, fine. If you want to question accountability, that's one thing, but to Brandon beans credit and for what Micah Hyde said, there's a lot of players that probably left here angry about their playing time, their opportunities, losing a starting job. There are coaches that probably left here upset about being fired at the end of a year, uh, being replaced by someone else, maybe just not being uh, the right fit. So there's going to be people that are out there with sour grapes. I mean, uh, listen, after uh, Ken Dorsey was fired, uh, it was Quentin Spain that went on social media and said something about the wrong coach being fired or something like that. And he might have those feelings. He might have those types of bitterness and resentment towards Sean McDermott and, and things of that nature. But this is the business where not everyone's going to be happy at the end of the day. There are guys that lose their jobs. There are guys that get caught. There are people that don't make a roster or play as much as they thought they were going to going into a year. And uh, I'm sure a lot of the people in that piece from uh, Ty Dunn probably did not have the greatest uh, exit out of <laughs> Buffalo. Um, you know, one thing I can, can say and, you know, about being in this locker room, for the past six seasons since I, I came back to Buffalo in 2018. It's one of the reasons that even within some of the criticism that I've levied toward Sean McDermott, and which I believe is warranted, um, some of the late game performances, some of the decision-making, you know, the decision to take on um, the defensive coordinator role. Like I, I, I questioned that quite a bit when it happened, knowing some of the big times moments they've been in and, and where the bills have tended to falter in the past. And um, what I can say though, is pretty much universally when I talk to players, um, while they're in the building, that it feels like they, they there's buy-in there with Sean. And I, I don't think you win as many games as, as they've won without there being that level of it. And so I asked, um, 
Micah Hyde about his experience with Sean over the last seven. I mean, he goes back to the very beginning of it. He's seen all the different iterations of the team, the different, you know, um, you know, uh, variations of the team. And, and this is what he said. Has he been accountable all these years in your eyes? 100%. Um, and I, I think that once you make it to this level, um, I told you guys what, uh, what I think I spoke to somebody yesterday. We're all, we're all grown ass men in here. Um, you, you know, especially for myself, I know personally when I have a bad play, when I have a good play, I don't need a coach to tell me, um, you know, what I did good, what I did bad. You know, I know it. That's that's me holding myself accountable. And I think everybody throughout the last how many years of being here, um, that's kind of the mentality we've had. And so, um, yes, I do think that uh, that Sean holds people accountable. And and I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Sometimes he does to me, and I'm I'm pissed off about it because I already know. And you know, I've been around here, been in the same playbook for a while. I know what I need to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for for former players to come out, former coaches, whoever, 25 whatever you said um people to come out and, and speak on that you know maybe there's a little bad blood from from maybe not being here anymore or um maybe they just felt that way i can't i can't speak on their own personal um interactions but um to me i think it's a low blow to to question um you know sean's character um and uh you know i just uh i, I don't think that there's a uh, there's any uh any good coming out of that you know i think a lot of us um are would not not to you know knock on you guys but the media is reporting story but you know, i think in the locker room and stuff we're all here to lift each other up so for guys to do that it's kind of it's kind of messed up in my eyes so um you know me i'm 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 pro sean mcdermott i trust in everything that he's done around here and what he's going to continue to do and i'm gonna back him um any day of the week twice on sunday so strong words from from micah who obviously knows sean very well uh has been through here and watched his leadership style uh, over the years, um, it seems like there's buy-in and listen, they're in the middle of the season, like, or towards the end of the season, they, there's not a lot you can do at this point from a player's perspective to pivot. So I think they're probably making this the best that they can, they can make it, but you know, there's value in knowing who's saying something, right? That's the one thing that I took away from the article. That's, that's a challenge is like great reporting from Ty Dunn, like, uh, the, the level and depth that he went to get that kind of, um, information and to paint a picture for, for the fan base. I think it's important. I think it's important work, but at the same time, you're juggling with the idea of people that are saying things, knowing that there's no, uh, filter, there's no restriction. They don't have to restrict themselves because they don't have to own up to what they're actually saying and, and say it with their chest and, 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 and yeah. put their name behind it. Um, not really even judging those people. I just think that it's interesting in a world where we hear so much about, you know, the team unity and the team bond and being like family. And then you see people, you know, maybe leave the building, leave the family. And, you know, and, and I know that there might be feelings towards Sean and, and, and that is for each person to make that decision. I'm not really judging. I, I just think that there's so many different layers to this. It's, it's very complicated. Oh, 100%. There's no repercussions to those people that are saying things. Not that there should be repercussions, but like you said, I mean, they can say whatever they want, knowing that it's all anonymous. And uh, for 25 people to have a, you know, negative feelings on the way things ended for them here in Buffalo, that all that, you know, that's fine. But look at all the players that have resigned here. Look at all the players that uh, have not looked to move on. Look at how he has not lost this locker room. Uh, in a tough year at any point from what we've seen, there's not been any kind of uh, player reports of being upset or or things of that nature with McDermott. 
Um, and, and it's going to be interesting, Matt, because, you know, we were talking pre-show. What if this ends up rallying the team and it's something they rally around and, you know, stepping up for their coach. They have a huge game this weekend that we need to get into here soon. And, and maybe this is, you know, this is like part of their rallying cry as they go out and they, uh, they defeat the Kansas City Chiefs and they go on this run maybe that can get them into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, we won't know how that how it looks until they come out on Sunday on both sides about how they play. Are they fired up? But I think in this business, like Brandon Bean alluded to, like Micah Hyde alluded to, you're not always going to have uh, great relationships with everyone by the time it, you, you part ways with them. And that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, and I will say uh, somebody asked about the timing of the report and listen, the, there's a lot of reporting that went through this and there's a there was a narrative that was being told. I mean, Ty used recent games uh, in there as part of the story. So it, it, it did feel like, you know, the Ken Dorsey uh, firing was covered in there as well, which happened, you know, three weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that, you know, the, the timing of it is, you know, strategic you know i mean it, it, with, with the with when you know the bills in a bye week uh going into a stretch of games that are going to define their season um but i do think it could have a very interesting effect and i think it was jerry sullivan at one point that he told a story and i can't remember the specifics of it i just remember the overarching um idea behind it and he said a former player once told him came up to him after a season and thanked him for some of the questions that he asked that at the time the player or the coach hated, but that it motivated him so much that he felt like it helped them win games in the end of the day. Like, and that's not the media's job. That's not the role of Ty Dunn to, you know, do all this stuff, get everybody all hot and bothered and get them, you know, gassed up and, and go out and win games. But, you know, there, there feels to me like there's a galvanization happening inside that building. I mean, the Von Miller situation is its own, kind of strange deal that, you know, the bills continue to stand on the fact that they just don't have a lot of information and are, are going along and until, and, and, and operating as usual until they do have more information. So we'll see how that transpires. But from a football standpoint, going into a massive stretch here, where they're at, what they're coming off of the last two games that they played offensively. I, I do think there's a very good chance that this is a, a rallying opportunity for the team. Yeah. The, and the offense has been, you know, playing very well. This bye week should give uh, the team even a, a chance to maybe incorporate some more of the offense that they wanted to try out that they had with Joe Brady wanted to try out. Perhaps I'm sure there'll be some wrinkles and some plays in here that uh, they haven't done yet under his watch. And then defensively, you know, Micah Hyde, how he stepped up to the place. They said, you know, he's he's going to be pro Sean McDermott, have his back. I'm sure they're going to want to come out and play at a high level on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, to really kind of change the narrative here. But yeah, they're six and six. They're coming off of a bye. One of the biggest games of the season remaining for this team. Uh, the, the timing of it is what it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the players and how the coaching staff react to this. Speaking of timing, uh, there's no better time to become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider, giving you access on your cell phone via text to Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino. Become a Shout Insider today. It is a great time to do so. Text 716-528-6727. Uh, Two-week free trial. And on Saturday, that's tomorrow, we are holding uh, a no-holds-barred uh, Zoom session, a subscriber exclusive. Uh, I believe 
the best time to do it, Ryan, is probably around 3.30. Does that work for you? I have not actually talked that by yet. <laughs> we, we do have a party tomorrow around 3, but we'll have to, you know, if I yeah, have so to. Maybe we do it at 2. Maybe we do we it do at 1.45. Yeah, somewhere around Let's there. Let's just talk it over perfect. right now. 1.45, <laughs> would that be good for the one forty-five would be good. 1.45, indeed. I should have uh, texted you that. Uh, my bad. Um, so, okay, 1.45 tomorrow. We will do uh, the Zoom session. That's Eastern time. Become an insider. And the shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, Ryan. Bills versus Kansas City Chiefs. It's finally here. So... It's interesting because we're probably going to have to talk a little bit about Dawson Knox because <clears throat> he's trending towards playing. Practiced again today. Uh, he went through a padded practice yesterday and all signs point to him playing. But maybe the biggest injury news of the week is on the Kansas City ch- side. Isaiah Pacheco, running back extraordinaire, unavailable, has been ruled out for this game. Yeah, that, I mean, that's huge news. I and, mean, you know, they have other guys. They have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They have some other players there all waiting the wings, but Pacheco has been uh, their lead back. He's been a very good player for them, obviously running the ball. You can catch the ball. Uh, that's a big loss for an offense that already is struggling with its identity uh, to be without their, their top back in this game. Obviously they still have Travis Kelsey who on any given week can uh, hurt a team that they, they have some young wide receivers that are really starting to come on and, and Rasheed Rice uh, notably being the, the main attraction there in terms of who's really stepping up. But, that's that's a big loss, and and they have some other players that have been ruled out too. Where the Bills are coming into this, in, in terms of the players who have been available and continue to be available, are very healthy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So when it comes down to the importance in this game, like I think back to last season's game, and actually that was one of the highlights of Kyer Elam's career. Remember that interception in the end zone with the Chiefs knocking on the door and trying to score and the Bills end up winning a super close game. And I, I feel like that, that play holds up as like one of the important moments in the game. And I right. think this year the chiefs have been unrecognizable as an offense in the red zone. Last season, uh, they led the league in red, in red zone touchdown percentage. Actually, they were number two behind the Dallas Cowboys. They were scoring touchdowns at 71% clip. Once they got inside the red zone this season, Ryan, the Kansas city chiefs ranked 14th in the NFL. They're only scoring touchdowns on 55.56% of drives. And that is, um, if you, if you put that side by side with the, with the bills offense, they're number two in the league at 67.39%. So when the bills are getting to the red zone, they're scoring. And so I think to me in this game on the road, you have to continue that trend. If you're Josh Allen in this bills offense, you have to take advantage of opportunities when you get inside the red zone and, and for the bills, there can't be these lulls for Sean McDermott's defense where they go three straight dot drives and, and, and surrender points and, and touchdowns, you know, like, like what we saw two weeks ago against the Eagles. Yeah. Listen, I mean, there's going to be some situations where they have to bend, not break, give up some field goal attempts. That's, 
Uh, what's going to happen when you go against an Andy Reid coach team, a Patrick Mahomes quarterback team. But this is also a, a Chiefs team that has not looked right on offense all season long. The defense was carrying them for a good portion of the season, but the last two weeks they've struggled against Aiden O'Connell. They've struggled against Jordan Love, and, and now you have Josh Allen who has had his number in terms – or had the Chiefs defensive number uh, the past few years in terms of the way that he can kind of move the ball up and down the field, especially – in the regular season. So I think that this is a matchup that uh, looks good on paper for the bills. You look at the injuries, you look at coming off the bye week, their, their previous history, even Dawson Knox, uh, three touchdowns in the past four games uh, against the chiefs. Someone that's had uh, success there in terms of getting into the end zone and uh, Dalton Kincaid and you have Stefan Diggs and they're very healthy. James cook, all the backs and they have, you know, uh, some options there and the defensively you're getting Dane Jackson likely back in, you know, in the swing of things as a depth option, you're healthy on the back end. So both sides of the ball, you're feeling good about this. It, what's funny is with the chiefs and all their struggles offensively this season, the reason it's not being talked about more is because they're finding ways to win these games late, these close games where if Buffalo were to win one or two of those games, the Denver game and the pay, you know, the Patriots game, the record was a little bit different. I think the narrative there. Uh, would be much different in terms of going into this game, and both teams would be kind of looked at in the same light. It, it's just one team finding ways to win these games late where the Bills have kind of collapsed and uh, lost some games they should have won. But in terms of confidence in the offense going into this game, I have more confidence what the Bills can do than what the Chiefs have been able to do over the past few weeks. You know, and the Chiefs have, you know, dealing with a, a change on their offensive line, which is one of the strengths of that offense, if you think about it. Um, Donovan Smith, uh, I think you mentioned, uh, won't play and Wanya Morris, the, the rookie who I thought actually early in that game, when he was asked to go in on the, especially in that first drive, some shaky moments, but he actually played well as you kind of kept going through that game. Um, and to me that, that is the matchup of the game. Like how right. can the bills defensive line affect Patrick Mahomes? Can they, you know, for a team that is, that has been, turning the ball over and not generating a lot of turnovers. I mean, if you look at the turnover differential between these two teams, it, there's a stark uh, contrast there. There's a difference. I mean, the the Chiefs, I think that they're minus six uh, on the season and the Bills are plus one. Uh, I'll bring up the stat to, to make sure that I'm uh, on the money there. But th that, that's the key to this one. Can you protect the ball on the road like Josh Allen did a year ago uh, in, in uh, Arrowhead? And then can you find ways to take the ball away? And where I think that starts for the Bills is with their front. I think coming yeah. off of the bye is huge for the for the Bills because you had Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau, who both were kind of dealing with nagging little things. Neither of them were on the injury report, but you just you could just see it during the game. Like different times they'd be limping, they'd be, you know, moving slowly. You know, they've looked fresh out on the practice field this week. You have an AJ Epinesa situation where maybe he leapfrogs Vaughn like in a big way in terms of snap count. And we'll see uh what else they, you know, maybe this is a, a week where you know, I don't know what they'll do. Like uh, th to me, this could be a week you sit, you you keep Shaq Lawson inactive. I mean, I, I'd make Von Miller inactive, but maybe if you're gonna if you're gonna dress Von, you can bring up Kingsley Jonathan and maybe lean in a little bit more to that upside as a pass rusher. But then on the interior, you you need Ed Oliver to Absolutely. win against those really good interior offensive linemen. Yeah, Ed Oliver has to you know get into the backfield and, and at least pressure. Uh, Mahomes and, and make him move off his mark a little bit. Now Mahomes, though, he, he is deceptive. He can move pretty well with his legs when he needs to. When the uh, pocket collapses, he can move the chains with his legs. But you want to get around him. You want to pressure him. You want to throw him off a little bit. And 
Uh, I think he is going to be one of the keys of the game on the interior, but you're right. You mentioned the other guys, Leonard Floyd, I think is going to be huge for the team in this game. You know, last year, pre-injury Von Miller, we saw what he could do, how he could get after uh, Mahomes, and, and he made some big plays. That's exactly what I'm expecting from Leonard Floyd in this game, who has looked outstanding uh, for the Bills. I would say probably far and away their best free agent signing uh, this offseason. And then A.J. Epinesa having a career year. Uh, you mentioned Greg Rousseau having another having a week to kind of heal up because when he's been healthy, he's been outstanding. So that's what you know. That's where it starts for this team. But it, when you flip it around to the other side of the ball too, uh, they're without Drew Tranquil. And I know this is the game that Bolton's supposed to come back for them, but Bolton has missed some time for them, so he might be uh, a little bit rusty. I believe it's Brian Cook that's out in the secondary. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some key players out for that Chiefs defense too, where. Josh Allen can can try to exploit them, and he'll he's been using his legs more too. So uh, on both sides of the ball, I, I think there are some favorable matchups uh, that uh, kind of point to the Bills' favor. Here's a big thing too going into this game. Like if you look at the outlook in the AFC right now, you know a lot of people on the KC side are talking about this being a game that the Chiefs need to win. But I, you know, the more I look at their schedule, Ryan, I'm not so sure that this is right. like. One of those games they come in and say, oh, we have to win in that division. I mean, if you, you probably want to win all your games, so you have a really good shot at the one seed. But with, with the Chiefs sitting there with eight wins right now, they play the Patriots, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Chargers after this. So if you think about it, at eight they're wins. Those. What's that? They said they're sweeping those games. Exactly. So that's, yeah. so that's 12 wins right there. I don't know if they're going into this game like thinking we have to win. Whereas opposed to the Bills, this is do or die time. This yeah. is a game you cannot afford to lose just because you can't control your own destiny. There's tiebreakers at play. You know, who knows? Houston, Cleveland, and um, who's the other team? Indianapolis could all win out all their games. And oh, by the way, let's pat myself on the back. Pittsburgh Steelers, exactly who I said they were uh, at the live show. Remember, you were yeah. over there talking about Indianapolis Colts. And I told you. Steelers are the frauds, man. Steelers are the frauds. And I know that they had Mitch Trubisky, but even that defense against Bailey Zappi. I mean, man, Sean McDermott was loving watching that game because all the heat that he gets for that Mac Jones drive, it kind of dissipates a little bit with that Steelers performance. Sure, absolutely. And the Steelers losing back-to-back weeks to teams that entered the game with two wins, uh, the Cardinals the week before that too. So, yeah, things are not going well for Pittsburgh. They're they're kind of falling down. I think the Bills' playoff odds just on that New York Times simulator went from 15 to 20%. So it shows you how much these other games matter. But for the Bills, they have to handle their own business. And uh, this game, of the two games that they have back-to-back weeks here, this and Dallas, this game is bigger because it's a conference game. They're 3-5 and five already in the AFC. They really can't. Uh, you know, lose another game in, in the conference because of the tiebreakers that you mentioned. And, and, you know, obviously they have to worry about head to head too for some of the losses they've had earlier this season, but this game is huge for them. And while the, the chiefs are probably entering this game with a bad taste in their mouth after losing on Sunday night uh, to the Packers, you're right. They, they have a clear path to 12 wins after this week and they can look at Miami's schedule. Who's currently slotted in that number one seed and know that they're playing the bills. They're playing Dallas. They're playing the Ravens, another team vying for that number one seed in the conference. So the path kind of clears up a little bit for the chiefs in terms of once again, claiming that number one seed, there's a, uh, some very favorable matchups at the end of the, the schedule for them. And while I'm sure they want to come out and win every game, the, the bills have much more to play for in this one. They do. Let's get to the offensive side of the ball for the Bills. 
Um, you know, to me, it still starts with your plan for Chris Jones, because in the games where, you know, he's really gone off this season, you know, multiple sacks, tons of pressures. It's been games where teams have struggled to uh, have a, a plan for blocking him. I thought that the Packers actually did a really good job neutralizing him. I thought Jordan um, Love did a good job moving in the pocket, navigating the pocket, which I think is one of Josh Allen's strong suits. They had a good plan up front. Their protection was really strong, which I think is another strong suit for the Bills. But what I what I noticed Matt LaFleur doing for the Packers last week was a lot of like active motion pre-snap and not just like with one player. Like he'd send one player in motion, then send another. They were trying to get towels off that defense. The the, the chess match between uh, Matt LaFleur and Steve Spagnola in that game was something to behold, especially when you go back and watch it uh, on the replay. I actually watched most of the first half on all 22 and it, it really stood out to me. And, I, and I'm thinking about Daw Dawson Knox coming back in this game. And I asked him about this, him, this, about this specifically this week. Like how much do you look forward to the creativity that Joe Brady has kind of implemented here? And he said, of course you do. Like when you can do multiple things and, and, and that's fun for a playmaker. And I think there's opportunity, Ryan, for them to, you know, maybe use him in motion, maybe put him in the backfield. Like, Get the ball in Dawson Knox's hands like we talked about. And listen, I'm not downplaying Kincaid's role in this game. I think he's going to have a huge one, and I want to talk about him at the end uh, when we get to our players to watch. But for me, I think there's a way to kind of ease Knox back into this thing and get creative with how you line him up and what you do with him. Yeah, pre-snap motion, though, that you just mentioned is, is going to be big for this team in terms of trying to figure out what the Chiefs are doing. This is a game where uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see is this Leonard Fournette's first game. Uh, with the Bills, is he going to be elevated? Because, you know, you want to maybe have a back that can block for you in, in case a Chris Jones breaks through and, and Fournette's very good in that role. Latavius Murray could also kind of handle that role too, and he's already on the 53-man roster. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see, though, how they utilize all of their talent. The, this is where I think it favors the Bills. We talked about the lack of offensive identity uh, with the Chiefs. The Bills right now are firing in all cylinders on offense. You, you're talking about James Cook being really good with the ball in his hands uh, as of late. You're talking about Khalil Shakir stepping up this season. Uh, Gabe Davis, some weeks where he's not catching the ball, but he's blocking and he's, uh, you know, he's the reason why they score a touchdown on one of the plays specifically because of his blocking. Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox coming back. The Bills just, it's a good thing that they have so many mouths to feed and so many options in a matchup like this where. Uh, with the creativity that we've already seen from Joe Brady, I, I just think it kind of really bodes well for them uh, in terms of being able to move the ball up and down the field and really tire out this Chiefs defense. Yeah, and you got to be able to run the ball uh, against them. I think that, that that's been proven. I, I think they did a good job of running it last year. I'd have to pull it up, but it was Stefan Diggs who actually had the monster game over 100 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody talks about their their corners, and rightfully so. I mean, Legereus Sneed. Uh, Trent McDuffie, uh, very, very good players. But, you know, I, I think this feels like we're trending towards a Diggs game, doesn't it? Like, it, it's been yeah. a quiet couple of weeks. At times, it's been Dalton Kincaid. At times, it's been uh, some other players. Uh, Khalil Shakir had his big breakout game a couple weeks ago. But I feel like Diggs has just kind of been simmering underneath the surface. And I feel like this is a game where... Um, obviously Gabe Davis did a really great job a couple of years ago in this stadium. Uh, he had a nice game against them last year. I think it was like 80 and a touchdown, but Diggs really ate last year. And I know Sneed likes to play that physical, get in your face, like uh hitch at the line of scrimmage style. But 
I don't know if that is necessarily the way to play Diggs anymore because that AFC title game ever since then and the way that they neutralized him in this in that game, he doesn't let that 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 approach affect him mentally. And I feel like it allows him to kind of go off and get the ball in his hands. I, I think that Josh Allen's going to be looking for Stefan Diggs quite a bit in this one. I think that Joe Brady probably sat over the bye week and said, how can I really use my number one receiver uh, as a weapon in this matchup? How can I utilize him, get him the ball? Uh, what are some ways that I can do that, whether it's the pre-snap motion, whether it's lining him up in the slot, whatever it is. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, Diggs is my player to watch for this game. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here. but well, Get there uh, right I'm, now, Ryan. I like it. I'm I like right, the aggressiveness. Yeah. I'm I'm just right there with you. I think that they have very good cornerbacks, but they don't have elite cornerbacks. This is not like a sauce gardener game, who, by the way, Diggs had some success against this year. These are two good guys uh, that are out there, but I think that Diggs is still an elite talent that can win those matchups uh, time and time again. He's going to get fed the ball, and he's going to have a, a major imprint on the outcome of this game. For me, the, the player that I am zeroed in, I know I talked about Dawson Knox already, but I think this is the potential to be a Dalton Kincaid game in uh, as well. And I know that I think Diggs is going to have a huge game too, but I think Kincaid could play a very important role. And I'm talking about like that eight to 10 target number. And, and maybe it looks like 60 yards. Maybe it looks like 80 yards. Uh, maybe there's a score in there. Maybe there's not, but you go back to last week's game and where green Bay, I thought did a really nice job at keep keeping the chiefs defense guessing was really leaning on uh, their tight end craft, who uh, I believe is also a rookie uh, and, and had himself a really nice day. Six targets, three catches for 37 yards. Doesn't like blow up on, on the stat sheet when you're looking at it. The receivers were good. Seven for 71 for Watson, four for 72 for Dobbs. Uh, I think uh, Jaden Reed only had four for 16, but he had a couple. Uh, I think he had a rush in there too, or maybe it was another player. But to me, it was the way that they use craft in that game on like those 20 ish yard crossing patterns, mm -hmm. those outs uh, right off the line of scrimmage where I feel like Dalton Kincaid has really found his comfort zone as a playmaker. So I think all of that stuff is in play. I think you empower James cook in the run and the pass game. And, and to your point, like maybe I don't want to take Ty Johnson off the field. If I'm the bills, the more I've been thinking yeah. about this, the more I'm wondering if the bills don't let, position it like let's give Latavius Murray a little bit of a break in December re-energize those batteries and like let's take a look at this with Leonard Floyd or Fournette in that role and see what it looks like so you don't have to take Ty Johnson off because I, I think Ty Johnson for lack of a better term is super juicy man like he he, he brings and when I say that it sounds really weird I I mean he brings <laughs> a lot of juice but he is he's he's got a lot of juice like when he runs he runs hard he he reminds me like the mentality as a runner reminds me of Pacheco in a little way, in a little bit of a way. It doesn't look the same, but I mean, the urgency that he runs with is important when you're talking about that second or third running back that's not getting as many opportunities. You got to make the most of every one. He's had a couple of really good runs the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he had a great one that was called back against the Eagles. He's made some, uh, you know, really solid catches as well. And he's he's known for being a pass catcher. You can use him on special teams. Uh, I'm definitely going to ask them to clip you saying he's super juicy, though, so that way we can have that on our socials there, Matt. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be hard to get him. You could have hit me. You could have hit me with the pause on that for sure. That was I wasn't was ready awesome. for it. I was not ready for that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so, no, I, I agree, though. He's done a really good job with his opportunities in, in, with the Bills. So uh, I wouldn't be opposed to him staying on the field. But, you know, this just feels like a game where 
Um, the, the Bills have a lot to play for. They're going to be fired up after everything that's happened in the last 24 to 48 hours, in my opinion. And uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out on Sunday afternoon and evening. Yeah, and it, it's been a, a, a season filled with drops for the Kansas City offense. And that's something that you know I'm going to be watching for here as well. Like, how does the Bills defense play? Uh, against you know uh, teams that have played that kind of soft zone against the year over the years have struggled against Mahomes, but they had a really good plan for him uh, last year. I wonder if it looks more of the same. If they change some things up if they lean into maybe that third safety with um, Taylor Rapp uh, potentially coming back this week. So we will see. All right, Ryan. We have hit a, a bunch of topics about this game. I have a twenty-minute podcast dropping later today uh, on a an additional little mini preview uh, of the Chiefs game from a Chiefs perspective with our good friend Matt Verderam. So look for that as well. But it's prediction time. We've had all week to kind of stew on this. I will let you get us started. Yeah, I have the Bills winning this one, Matt. 34-24. to 24. Sean McDermott is 6-0 and following, yeah, following the bye week. I think he moves to 7-0. and uh, I think this defense does obviously give up some points in this matchup. You're not going to shut out. Patrick Mahomes and company, but the way that Joe Brady and this offense has played, they're going to outscore the Chiefs, and they're going to be able to hold on to that lead. She, Ryan, excuse my French, I'm sorry, but we're we're back, man. We are absolutely back to being one mind, sharing one mind. Uh, I have it written down right now. Not the exact same score, but I got a 10-point dub for the Bills, 31-21. I really like them in this spot on the road. Their backs are up against the wall. They've never lost coming out of a bye under Sean McDermott. And this is a tough game. I mean, they haven't all been against the Chiefs in Kansas City at Arrowhead and the defending Super Bowl champs. I mean, all that kind of stuff is it is what it is. But I just think there's so much going in their favor. And I think Josh Allen has elevated his level of play. Joe Brady has demonstrated the fact that, hey, we have broken the glass. It, he is going to be the version of the quarterback that he needs to play and be, be. And I, I think defensively, like that clip that we played at the start from Micah Hyde with everything going on with Sean McDermott right now, there's a lot of long-term dudes that have been in that room that have played for Sean McDermott, you know, that I think really respect Micah Hyde, no matter what their feelings on McDermott are, if, if there's any of the stuff that, you know, was in that story that, that maybe exists in that room, like this is a galvanizing type of week. And it's almost like, a lot of people talk about the distraction, but I totally agree with you. I think this is something that the team can use, especially defensively. Um, you know, Matt Milano, I, I seen him all over the building this week. Like he's been in the locker room. He was playing cards today after practice with the guys um, walking around the locker room. And so I think that kind of brings its own uh, version of energy to the defense. So um, it, it's a huge game. They got to have a plan for Travis Kelsey. That's the key. If he has a big game, uh, I, I think that things change a little bit. They got to be staunch in the red zone. And, uh, I think they will, I think they win this game. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And like you said, backs are against the wall. Bills need this one, uh, more than the chiefs and you win this game. And all of a sudden, I think that the AFC wildcard odds, uh, skyrocket. I think you're in a good spot with Dallas coming to town the following weekend, but it's all up to Buffalo handling their business on Sunday. Um, funny enough, the Dolphins sit at nine and three right now. The Miami Dolphins do, and they play the Tennessee Titans without Jeffrey Simmons this week. So that is a win. So let's just put them at 10 wins, right? Then they go jets at home, which is probably a win, right? Like, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I want to see the jets this week. 
Um, but probably a win. Let's say 11 wins, right? So let's put them there. Then they got the Cowboys at home, at the Ravens, and then they finish with the Bills. Could you imagine, Ryan Talbot, if the Bills run the table to week 18 and the Dolphins go 2-2 two and two in the next four and that game is for the division in the final week of the season? That would be pretty wild. And uh, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility because, like you said, Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo, that is a tough end-of-the-season stretch. Uh, there have been some injuries already, you know, just, I don't want to say minor injuries. Obviously they lost the best, one of their best pass rushers, but you never know what's going to happen over these final few weeks. So there's still that scenario in play in my mind that it could end up coming out that way. Uh, obviously though, for the bills, the next few weeks, their folks should just be finding a way to get one of those wild card spots. But if the chips fall that way, I think the bills would love to be able to, to play for the AFC East in the final week of the season. Do you little side subject here before we get out. Do you think, what would you rather from a Bills fan's perspective, if you're thinking for uh, Bills Mafia, do you want them to win the division and have a home playoff game? Or do you like the idea of a wild card berth and then going on the road for the entire playoffs? Um, You know, that's a great question because we were there last year for the wild card game that they hosted and uh, they started out really well, and then they kind of fell off, and they uh, ended up being a really close game. I wouldn't mind seeing them have to go on the road this year, and I, I, I know Bills fans would love to have one home playoff game in, in the wild card, but I wouldn't mind them going on the road and having that um, underdog mentality. I feel like they they kind of in, embrace that. The hey, you know, we're a wild card team. No one believes in us. Uh, we were six and six at one point in the season. We kind of got hot, but everyone should keep writing us off. So I kind of like the underdog perspective of maybe going on the road for the entire playoffs, Matt. Um, somebody asking about Milano. I did not see a cast. I just saw like a kind of like a wrapper or something uh, along that line, like a sleeve maybe. Uh, but he looked like he was in good spirits walking around. Bold prediction, Ryan. Bold prediction time. I'm ready. Bills run, Bills run the table. Dolphins drop two of their final, three of their final five. And the Bills win the AFC East. I'm dropping it right now and I'm putting it at the end of the show. I'm just sneaking it into the end of the show. Maybe we got 175 watching right now. I mean, that is a bold prediction, but I'm I'm ready to drop it. I I think this is a a schedule. I love playing the Dallas Cowboys at home for the bills. I I love that matchup. I love this matchup for the coming out of a bye against the chiefs. And then it's like three like games that I just up until the, the, the Miami dolphins game. Eh, I, I just I don't believe in the Patriots. Uh, I don't believe in the Chargers. Um, I could be totally wrong here, but they've done it before. They've gone on runs before, and man, did they have enough bulletin board material to last them the entire offseason. Nobody's believing them except Mike Greenberg from ESPN, yeah. who will yeah. not stop who will not stop standing for one number seventeen Josh Allen. But I don't believe in the Dolphins. I don't believe the Dolphins, even if they win the division, I don't believe in the Dolphins. I don't think that they're going to make it past the AFC title game. We'll see. Uh, but that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm picking them. Uh, you can clip that out if you want. I'm probably not going to like shout it from the rooftops, but I want all the shout fans to know that I'm picking them. That, that's my bold prediction. I think it's happening. Um, it, all right. Man. All right. So uh, the Topps Christmas bonus program is going on right now, and you can be Santa's biggest little helper at Topps Friendly Markets. Shop for groceries, and you can save $10 on participating $50 gift cards. That's an extra 20% savings on all your holiday gifts just for buying your groceries at Topps. 
Earn one gift point for every grocery purchase you make of $50 or more now through December 24th. Then redeem one gift point at Tops Checkout for $10 off a $50 gift card to participating retailers like Toys R Us, Cabela's, Sony, Panera, Macy's, Applebee's, Chili's, Gap, Moe's, Uber, Old Navy, and so many more. Limit $10 discount per $50 gift card. Gift points are automatically added to your Tops Bonus Plus account. can be tracked on your receipt. All right. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Polarino. I'm heading back to Kansas City. Going to get me some barbecue tomorrow. Come be a Shout Insider, 716-528-6727. Two-week free trial. Hang out with me and Ryan tomorrow, 145. Insider exclusive. Zoom. It's going to be awesome. Take care, everybody. See you, see you on Sunday.